Amen. Good morning. Welcome to Hope. I'm Pastor Tom. It's good to have you with us. If you're visiting or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this form in your bulletin and we drop it in the bucket on your way out. We will follow up with you accordingly. Encourage you to share those prayer requests. We take them seriously and actually enjoy praying for the needs of God's people around here. So please communicate that with us. And if you are joining us on Zoom, you can uh, click through our website and send in prayer requests that way as well. You can also access our member portal and get links to our Zoom meetings, etc. So uh, please avail yourself of those opportunities. Um, if you are watching online, uh, we sent out the sermon insert with the blanks. You can print that out. Also, uh, we sent out the lesson plan for our children's ministry for Hope for Kids. You can print that out and follow along with what were the themes that we're dealing with and the scriptures that are before us today. Um, and uh, there's a really cool kids activity in there. So look for that. What else? We've got youth group tonight, 515, right here. Uh, we are studying the, the character of God and encourage those who are grades 6th through 12th to come here and have dinner and Bible study and fellowship. It's all good, so I uh, hope you can make it for that. Tuesday nights, we are in a new uh, series of, of studies called What We Believe, and we are taking that up uh, through a resource that our denomination publishes. If you want a copy of that, let me know. We're reading, doing some pre-reading and then discussion of material on Tuesday nights at 7 of what we believe. So that is on Tuesday nights by Zoom. Uh, we have a men's night coming up at the end of the month, and then we are trying to uh, pull together some dinner groups. Uh, we've called this uh, Breaking Bread Together. Round one has been postponed. Uh, and so we're looking for round two, which is this weekend. If you would like to have dinner with some other people in the church, uh, please sign up for that. And you should be able to find the links on our Facebook page or perhaps our website. I'll send out an email again this week. Encourage you to sign up for that. Um, but uh, that's what we're trying to do. And let's see, what else? Um, I think that's about it for now, but I just want to thank you again. I, I continue to receive um, texts and emails from members of our presbytery just in gratitude for the hospitality that you showed to them while they were here. Uh, and I just, what a blessing that was to be a part of. Thank you all for your help in pulling that together and pulling it off. Um, all right. Why don't we have all of the important people come down to the front? If you are in fifth grade or younger, you are invited down for the children's chat at this time. Good morning, good morning. Safe. What? So, have you ever heard of Moses? Never heard of Moses? Never. Really? <laughs> Moses. 
Hmm. Yeah, you should. You should. You should really change. You. Sh- you should change churches. I'm just saying. Um. So Moses, who was Moses? Old Testament or New Testament? We're getting nowhere. Old Testament, thank you. Very good. So Moses, do you know where Moses grew up? He grew up in a palace in Egypt, in Pharaoh's palace. He grew up in the king's house, and he was taught how to be a king, right? He was taught, you grow up in Pharaoh's house, you're going to learn how to be a Pharaoh. That's what they do. So he was educated, he was taught how to be a king, and then one day he did something very, very bad. He killed someone. Yes. Yep. He killed someone out of anger, and he had to flee Egypt. He had to run away. And when he he left Egypt, he was, instead of being a prince, he was now a shepherd. He took care of someone's sheep and goats out in the desert. Sounds like a great job, doesn't it? Actually, it sounds pretty appealing right about now. But anyway, um, So Moses was a shepherd out in the wilderness, and one day he was walking around with his sheep, and he saw a bush. Do you have any idea what was happening with the bush that he saw? It was on fire, but it wasn't burning. Yes, exactly. It was on fire, but it wasn't burning. All right? And so what would you do if you were walking around and you saw a shrub that was on fire, but it wasn't burning? You would turn around and walk away. Well, Moses did the opposite. He was like, what? What is that? And so he went over and he tried to figure out what was going on. And a voice spoke to him out of this burning bush that wasn't burning, this bush full of fire that wasn't on fire. I don't know. It's weird, right? So the voice said, behold, the cry of my people, Israel, has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you will bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So God spoke to Moses from the bush and said, I want you to be my brave leader to lead my people out of Egypt. What do you think Moses said? That's exactly what he said. He said, no. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out? Like, why me? I'm just a shepherd, right? But had Moses forgotten, where did he grow up? In Pharaoh's palace. And what was he taught in Pharaoh's palace? How to be a king, right? And so... But did he think of himself as a king after 40 years of being a shepherd? No, not really. So God says to Moses, no, I I really want you to go and lead my people out of Egypt. And Moses says, they won't believe me or listen to me. 
And God tells him again, no, seriously, I want you to go lead my people out of Egypt. And here's the last thing Moses says. Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Now, that's a prayer. I think he really meant it. Did God send someone else? No. He sent Moses. And he had to remind Moses that his qualifications were not based on how good Moses was because had Moses committed a big sin? Yes, he killed someone. Like, that's not okay. And God said, I want to call you anyway. So I want you to think about this. Do you ever commit a sin? Do you ever do anything that's bad or wrong? Yeah, me too, right? Um, And does that mean that God doesn't love you anymore? No, does it mean that God's done with you? No, God loves you, he forgives you, and he calls you to be his child, to represent, to show his love to others, even though we're broken and sinful and messed up, we're called to show his love anyway. And so God is the God who calls us not based on how good we are, but based on how much he loves us. Can I say a prayer for you guys before you go? All right. Father God, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that our place in your family is not based on how good we are, but in fact it's based on how good Jesus is, on the gift of his life on the cross that we might be forgiven and that we might have, through his death, life that lasts forever. I pray your blessing on these children as they go to Hope for Kids and study more of your word. Teach them about Moses. Help them to remember who Moses is. And help them, more importantly, to remember who you are, how much you love them, and how much you have shown your love to them through your son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all have a blast. You have a really cool craft today. And it is, you're going to learn about Moses. That's an order. Will you join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning? God, our loving Father, we come before you, and as we open your word, we pray that you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us today through your holy word, and that we would leave here changed as a result of having met you through your word today. Father, we give you the burdens of our hearts that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word. We give you our sins and failures, and we thank you for the forgiveness and grace that are ours through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. We lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for reconciliation where it is needed. Lord, we lift before you those who are facing uncertain diagnoses, who are recovering from medical procedures, who are in need of your healing mercies. We just pray your healing over those we know and love. Lord, we lift up those who are grieving. We pray your comfort over them. We lift up our country at every level of government. We pray for our elected officials. Uh, We ask that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them. We lift up our men and women in uniform, 
all over this world. We pray you would watch over and protect them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way, that you would bring them home safely. We pray, Father, for those who have returned home as a result of their service changed. And we just pray that you would use us, your people, to minister your grace, your peace, and your healing to their hearts, minds, and bodies. Lord, we pray that you would be with your church this morning all over the world. We pray especially for those churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving. We just pray that you would bless your word and your work in those places that we are connected to. We think of the missionaries we support in Guatemala, in Laredo, Texas, in Cuba, and in Beirut, Lebanon, and elsewhere in the Middle East. And we just pray your blessing over those works. We lift up the church plants that we are connected to here in Texas, in Katy, in New Braunfels, and in Austin. And we just pray your blessing over those young works. Uh, we pray you would be with us now by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, we're in a, a relatively new sermon series. We started last Sunday with Adam and Eve, and we looked at the way that they would have felt on, uh, at the moment that they were led out of the Garden of Eden. They had it all. They had everything that two humans could wish for. They had uh, plenty to eat. They had a safe place to live. They had each other. They had a close relationship with God. And that all went out the door when the man and the woman sinned against God, disobeyed his order not to eat of the tree of the fruit not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so you know how that story goes, and we just wanted to kind of focus on where they were uh, emotionally and spiritually at the point that they left the garden. We saw that God clothed them with the skins of animals, that there was a sacrifice of, of lives on their behalf to cover them and protect them, and how that was sort of a a very early sign of God's promise to provide uh, a sacrifice for the sins of his people. And <clears throat> then we're going to just kind of move with these themes through the Bible. And today we're going to look at the life and calling of Moses. And so the series is called Ditched, and we're looking at places in Scripture where people felt alone, forsaken, isolated, um, otherwise dejected, and we're going to look at how God moves redemptively into those times in our lives when we feel in similarly uh, to those that we are studying in these Scriptures. And so, this morning we come to the person of Moses. We're going to look at his point of dejection as he is uh, facing uncertainty and uh, a life where everything has changed. And just to set the scene, uh, we have uh, a young man who is born to a Jewish family that is enslaved in Egypt. And at this time, the Pharaoh was trying to uh, thin the Jewish population in Egypt, and he ordered that all male babies be 
terminated at birth. And so Moses' mother gave birth to him in secret and then floated him down the Nile River. You probably know the story, in a little basket covered with tar that wouldn't sink. And she floated him. Her daughter actually worked for Pharaoh's daughter in the palace, and she conveniently floated the basket with baby Moses in it downstream in the Nile. And the princess saw the baby and took compassion on him and adopted him into her family and then told Moses' sister, like, go find a wet nurse for this baby, which she went and found her mother. And so Moses uh, grew up in Pharaoh's palace, but in his mother's arms. And it's just a a beautiful story of, of redemption just in that part alone. But then Moses grows up and uh, becomes, well, educated, literate, uh, taught in the ways of, of warfare, both as a warrior and as a leader. He's taught how to lead. He's taught how to administer. He's basically raised as a, as a male in Pharaoh's household or any child in Pharaoh's household. He's raised to become a leader. And then we're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, and I'll read this. Uh, It'll be on the screen behind me, but you'll see where everything is about to change for Moses, and then we'll we'll get into this text a little bit, and then we're going to jump through uh, some other passages that have to do with where Moses was uh, when this whole thing comes about. So Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, one day, When Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you a prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So, from the palace of the greatest civilization on the planet at the time. Well, there might have been one in China that could beat it. I don't know. Time time frames. To the desert. So this is about a 250-mile journey that he takes. I think we have a slide. So this will get you from Goshen in Egypt, where Moses was living at the time, to Midian, just on the other side of the Red Sea, the spur that goes up on the other side of the Sinai Peninsula. And Midian actually had territory on both sides of the Red Sea, but the importance of this is it's outside of Egypt's jurisdiction. And so Moses has to flee to some place where he cannot be arrested and executed for his crime. And so he does. This is about... This is about the walk 
from here to Beaumont, um, and uh, he and he takes off, and we don't know how long it took him, but how long would it take you to walk to Beaumont? I, why would you want to go to Beaumont? I mean, <laughs> sorry to anybody who's watching from Beaumont. Get out. <laughs> You're in Beaumont. Um, <laughs> okay, well, we're not going to get into that. Um, <laughs> um, so, where was I? Beaumont? No, I think we're in, we're in the land of Midian. And so this is what he left the palace of Pharaoh, and this is the territory into which he fled. There's a well somewhere in this picture that they claim is the well that Moses sat down next to when, when this story takes place. Bummer, dude. From Pharaoh's palace to this lush green landscape, I, there's got to be something green in there somewhere. Um, and that's, that's, you know, yikes. So, yeah, that's as bad as Beaumont, I think. Right, so back now we're back. Okay, you get it. Um, Moses, how do you think he is feeling at this point? One rash decision, one action in the heat of a moment, and everything has changed. One day of difference. The day before, he was living in the palace. The day after, he begins his flight to Midian. He goes from having it all to literally having nothing. Uh, the story is kind of fun. He sits down next to this well, and these sisters come up to water their father's flocks. And what they're accustomed to is men in the area harassing them and extorting things from them like a, a goat or something in order to let them water their flocks. And Moses is sitting there. How is he dressed? Like an Egyptian, right? And he's sitting by the well and the girls come up to water their flocks. They're getting harassed by some other men and Moses drives off the other men and helps the girls actually get water out of the well and water their flock. And the girls go home and they tell their father, uh, he's like, why are you home so early? They're like, well, <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, but this Egyptian, like, he ran off the guys that normally give us a hard time, and then he actually pulled water for us. It was crazy, Dad. And the dad's like, well, go get him, numbskulls. Like, <laughs> bring him here. And Moses winds up marrying one of his daughters. And then uh, he has a kid. And his first, he has several kids, but his first child, he actually names him Outcast. Because Moses was an outcast. And I think... That, of all the things that you read in, this, in these chapters of Exodus, tells you everything you need to know 
about where Moses was at this point in his life. He names his son outcast. And so we have Moses in a place of dejection, and it's, it's in, in this case, it's the result of his own actions. He got himself here. And God begins the process of redemption step by step by being married into this family, by having kids, by having a life. But he's a shepherd in the wilderness, in that barren wilderness. He's trying to eke out a living with the herds of his father-in-law. And I want you to just reflect on your own circumstances. And your dejection, whatever in whatever capacity you relate to Moses here, might not be the result of your actions. It might be the result of someone else's actions or just the result of life in a hurting world. But we've all been there. We've all been in a place where we felt like it was over. And then what I want us to focus on, we're going we're to focus on that dejection for a moment, but I want you to see the steps that God begins to take to rebuild, to renew, to restore, to bring us back to a place where he wants us. So, I think the first thing that we should see in this story is that our dejection is God's starting point. God sort of patiently waits for us to find ourselves in the, in the wreckage of life, and then he says, I'm with you. I've got you. And so a couple things I don't want us to miss. One, that God has uniquely prepared you for what he's calling you to. I, I cannot overemphasize the importance of what God had provided in Moses' childhood. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are the first iterations of the Hebrew language in written form. There might have been some proto-alphabet that predated Moses, but it wasn't very sophisticated. It didn't have a grammar it might have just been sort of like markers to, to remember how to tell the stories. But Moses grows up in Pharaoh's palace. He's taught to read, to write, to do math. He's taught how to strategize, how to plan, how to administrate. He's taught, he's basically given the highest level of education that a person could receive at that point in human history. And then he's set loose in the desert to tend some sheep. 
perhaps an even more important education than what he got in the palace. Because as you know, he will soon be called to lead God's people out into that very wilderness where he was shepherding. And now he knows where to find water, how to chase shade, very important in the Sinai Desert. Uh, And there are Bedouins today that still live in those mountains, and they chase shade every day. It's how they survive. And so Moses learns how to survive in in this barren wilderness for 40 years. And he learns also that God's not finished with him, even though he breaks one of the Ten Commandments he will be used to carry to God's people just a few years later. He is a condemned criminal. And yet, God was not finished with him. And so, we see that our dejection is God's starting point, that he has uniquely prepared us for what he is calling us to through our circumstances, and through our identity. Moses was taught to be a leader. It was ingrained in his being. And yes, he could pay his dues for 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep, but that wasn't his destiny. And so... God has uniquely prepared us, and there's something else that he wants from us as his children. And I put the word honesty here, and I would would actually clarify that and say self-honesty is what God wants from us. He wants us to be brutally honest about ourselves, and he wants us to be in touch with the reality of our brokenness. God doesn't want people who think that he needs them. He wants people, or he, he involves people who need him. So, we have this point of dejection where Moses flees from Egypt. He ends up in the barren wilderness and God's not finished with him. And so one day he's tending to his herds and he sees this shrub on fire, but it's not crackling, it's not burning. The wood is not on fire. There's flames, there's fire, but it's not burning. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. And Moses walks over towards this spectacle, and he hears a voice. The first thing it says is, hey, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Moses kicks off his sandals and walks up to it, and he hears the voice of God. I'm going to take us to uh, Exodus chapter 3. I'm just going to read verses 9, 10, and 11. It says, And this is God speaking initially. It says, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
So this bush is calling Moses out into his ultimate calling that God has prepared him for and equipped him for. And this voice from the bush says, you're the man that I'm going to use to execute my will. And Moses bravely says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? I mean, it's a fair question, right? So, nowhere do I relate to Moses more than that line right there. And if God has ever called anything out of you, anything, you have probably felt that way. Who am I? Why me? What are you thinking? Seriously? Do we need to go back over my record? Do you need to, like, do I need to review for you how selfish I am, how sinful I am, how broken I am? And God says, exactly. And several of you, some in the past, some this year, some right now, have been nominated to office at Hope, a deacon, an elder, what have you. Tell me you didn't feel that way. So, okay, let me keep clicking through these and we'll get back to that point. So I'm going to go to Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14. Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Then Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Then Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to me. Listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. And you can see God going, oy, vey, son. And so he says, take that staff that you prod the sheep with, throw it on the ground, turns into a snake. Moses freaks out. God says, chill out, pick it up. He picks it up, it turns back into a staff. He goes, if they don't believe you, just play that little trick on them. They'll at least jump. And so God is basically saying to Moses, look, I got this. It's not about you. I'm just, I just need you to go. And Moses continues in his objections, Exodus 4, verses 10 through 13. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go. And I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. I love that line. Just please, anyone other than me. That would be great. And we are reminded in the story of Moses at his 
place of dejection where he cannot even conceive the possibility that God would want him for anything, we are reminded that our calling into God's family is not based upon our merit. It's not based on how good we are, how smart we are, how eloquent we are. And it is probably, this is based on this, this passage and several others that involve Moses and his brother Aaron, it is probable that Moses stuttered, that he couldn't form words easily. And God calls him anyway and says, I'm going to, I got the words, you just go. And so we learn from Moses, from this passage, from the nature of God revealing himself here, that our inadequacy is our qualification. We're reminded of the words of Jesus in the Gospels, blessed are the poor in spirit. That those of us who don't think we're qualified are exactly the people that God wants to be used to be in charge. Think about it. Would you rather have an elder who says to himself, I don't belong in this position? Or would you rather have an elder who's like, oh yeah, I totally should be an elder at this church. And God understands this. And these are the people that he calls. He calls us in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our inadequacies, in spite of our self-doubt so our inadequacy is our qualification you're right you're not adequate that's kind of the point it's all by grace that we are called into God's family into his place in this world by grace not based on your merits Our inadequacy is our qualification, and our hesitancy is prerequisite. It is that sense of, "Mm, please send someone else, that is prerequisite to God calling us into his will. God does not need you, but he has prepared you. God wants to involve you, And he will equip you. He will be with you. He doesn't call people who are already qualified and equipped. He calls people and then equips them. He equips the called. So, this is the God that we're dealing with. One that relates to us on the basis of grace not merit. So we can, we can get off of the treadwill, treadmill of performance and just be with him, know him, grow in him, learn from him. And I want to read to you uh, a passage from the book of Acts in the New Testament in chapter 7, verses 35 through 37. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer 
by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out, performing wonders and signs in Egypt and at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. Think about this. How dejected Moses felt when he sat down next to that well. In what, by any account, could be called a God-forsaken place. How alone, how ruined, how ditched did he feel? And God simply took one step towards his redemptive plan. And then another, and another, and another. And some 40 plus years after Moses sat down next to that well, on one of the mountains that was visible from that well, God would give Moses his law, the Ten Commandments. He would hide Moses in a cliff, in a, in a cleft of a rock, and cover him while his presence passed by. Moses literally came down from that mountain glowing spiritually from what he experienced there. The one who was dejected. The one who was ditched. And we need to remember that God has a plan to redeem us. And not just us, but a plan that extends far beyond us. He has a plan that includes you. That's you personally. And we are reminded not to listen to our critics. Remember the, the Israelite that Moses approached who was Apparently, there's a lot of fighting in Egypt back then, right? And Moses says, hey, what, why are you doing that? The guy's like, who made you prince and ruler over us? Moses is like, uh, uh, nobody yet. But how beautifully ir ironic that that's the line the guy chose to throw at Moses. And... We are not to listen to our critics. We're to let God work through us. That man who committed murder, who would literally walk down the mountain with the words, thou shalt not murder, that one who was dejected, ditched, alone, did you hear what this passage had to say? This Moses, whom they rejected, this man God sent as both ruler and redeemer, this man led them out. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. people of Israel had to wait for thousands of years for that prophecy to be fulfilled. 
for the one that God would raise up to be a leader and redeemer like Moses, but one who would provide ultimate redemption for his people. His name is Jesus, and he reminds us that God has a plan that's bigger than us. He has a plan that includes us, but his plan is far bigger, far more grand, far more gracious than we could possibly imagine. We are to be the ones who look toward the fulfillment of that plan, that prophecy, that word. That Jesus, who would be on the cross as if to say, this man will atone for your sin. This man will redeem you as a child of God. This man will be raised from the dead and will give you the hope of life eternal. This man will fulfill God's plan. We are to look for the fulfillment of God's plan in Christ and we are to join in spreading his grace. The passage in Acts was part of a sermon that was being given. Telling the listeners, what this grand plan was. It's part of a bigger story of people hearing from God's word that their sins are forgiven, that from their place of dejection, they're being called into something greater. They're being restored, they're being renewed, they're being redeemed by the blood of of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? God our Father, we marvel at your hand, not only upon history, but upon each of us. As we have been through times in our lives, many of those times recent, where we have felt dejected, ditched, alone, to know that you are not finished with us, that your hand is still upon us, that your love still redefines us, that your grace gives us life and hope because of what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to see your plan at work, both throughout history as well as in the history of each of our lives to look up and to see that you are not done with us and you are not done spreading your grace around this world. Lead us to be a part of that plan, to show your light and your love to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as part of the sermon series, we are doing a congregational reading. We'd like to invite you to read along with us as we read 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 10. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of knowledge to, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies.